Chapter Five, Part Two of Books Fatal to Their Authors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Books Fatal to Their Authors by Peter H. Ditchfield. Chapter Five, Part Two. A book entitled Histoire de la tyrannie et des exex dont se rederen, coupables les habitants de Padoue dans la guerre quis errant avec sous de Vicence par Olota notea a Vicence, carries us back to the stormy period of the fourteenth century, when Italy was distracted by war, the great republics ever striving for the supremacy. Harloto wrote an account of the cruelties of the people of Padua when they conquered Vicenza, who, in revenge, banished the author, confiscated his goods, and pronounced the sentence of death on anyone who presumed to read his work. Happily, Vicenza succeeded in throwing off the yoke of Padua, and Arloto recovered his possessions. This book was so severely suppressed that its author searched in vain for a copy in order that he might republish it, and only the title of his work is known. Genoa, too, has its literary martyrs, among whom was Jacopo Bonifadio, a professor of philosophy in that city in 1545. He wrote Annales Genuendis ab Ono, 1528. Recuperate Liberatis Usc ad Anum, fifteen fifty Libri Quinque Papier, fifteen eighty five IN dash four. His truthful records aroused the animosity of the powerful Genose families, the Dorias and Adornos, the Spinolas and the Fieschi were not inclined to treat tenderly so daring a scribe, who presumed to censure their misdeeds. They proceeded to accuse the author of a crime, which merited the punishment of death by burning. His friends procured for him the special favor that he should be beheaded before his body was burnt. The execution took place in 1561. The annals have been translated into Italian by Pachetti, and a new Latin edition was published at Brescia in 1747. Books have sometimes been fatal not only to authors, but to their posterity also. So it happened to famous French historian De Thou, who wrote a valuable history of his own times, 1553 to 1601, Historia sui temporis. Footnote, the title of the edition of 1604 is Jacobi Augusti Thuani, in Suprema Regni Galici Curia Presidis, Insulate Historiarum Sui Temporis, Parisis Sonius Patison Throat in Folio. This great work was written in Latin in one hundred and thirty eight books, and afterwards translated into French and published in sixteen volumes. The important offices which De Thou held his intimate acquaintances with the purposes of the king, and the intrigues of the French court, the special embassies on which he was engaged, as well as his judicial mind and historical aptitude, his love of truth, 
his tolerance and respect for justice, his keen penetration and critical faculty, render his memoirs extremely valuable. In 1572 he accompanied the Italian ambassador to Italy. Then he was engaged on a special mission to the Netherlands. For twenty-four years he was a member of the Parliament of Paris. Henry III employed him on various missions to Germany, Italy, and to different provinces of his own country, and on the ascension of Henry IV he followed the fortunes of that monarch, and was one of the signatories of the Edict of Nantes. But his writings created enemies, and amongst them the most formidable was the mighty Richelieu, who disliked him because our author had not praised one of the ancestors of the powerful minister, and had been guilty of the unpardonable offence of not bestowing sufficient honour upon Richelieu himself. Such a slight was not to be forgiven, and when de Thou applied for the post of President of the Parliament of Paris from Louis the Thirteenth, the favourite took care that the post should be given to someone else, although it had been promised to our author by the late monarch. This disappointment and the continued opposition of Richelieu killed de Thou, who died in 1617. But the revenge of the minister was unsated. Frederick Augustus de Thou, the son of the historian, and formerly a protégé of Richelieu, was condemned to death and executed. Enraged by the treatment which his father had received from the minister, he had turned against his former patron, and some imprudent letters to the Countess of Chevreuse fell into Richelieu's hands, caused the undying animosity of the minister, and furnished a pretext for the punishment of his former friend, and the completion of his vengeance upon the author of Historia Sui Temporis. Casaubon declares that this history is the greatest work of its kind, which had been published since the Annals of Livy. Chancellor Hardwick is said to have been so fond of it as to have resigned his office and seals on purpose to read it. The book contained some matter which was written by Camden, and destined for his, Elizabeth, but erased by the order of the royal censor. Sir Robert Filmer, Camden's friend, states that the English historian sent all that he was not suffered to print to his correspondent, Thuanus, who printed it all faithfully in his annals without altering a word. On the tomb of our next author stands the epitaph, Erna capit cineres nomen non orbe tenetur. This writer was Gilbert Genebrard, a French author of considerable learning who maintained that the bishops should be elected by the clergy and people and not nominated by the king. His book, written at Avignon, is entitled De Secarum Electorium Jure et Necessitate ad Ecclesiae Gallicanae Redin de Gratoninium, Actore G. Genebrado, Parisis Nivolius, fifteen ninety three. IN-8. The Parliament of Aixa ordered the book to be burned, and its author banished from the kingdom and to suffer death if he attempted to return. He survived his sentence only one year, and died in the Burgundian monastery of Semur. He loved to declaim against princes and great men, and obscured his literary glory by his bitter invectives. One of his works is entitled Excommunication des ecclesiastiques, qui ont assisté 
au service de vin avec Henri de Volet après les assassinats du cardinal de Guise. 1589, IN-8 Certainly the judgment of posterity has not fulfilled the proud boast of his epitaph. Joseph Audra, professor of history at the College of Toulouse, composed a work for the benefit of his pupils entitled Abregue de Historia Generale para l'Abbe Adra, Toulouse, 1770, which was condemned and deprived Adra of his professorship and also of his life. He died from the chagrin and disappointment which his misfortunes caused. The author of Memoire et Lettres de Madame de Maintenon, Amsterdam, 1755, 15 volumes, IN-12, found his subject a dangerous one, inasmuch as it conducted him to the Bastille, a very excellent reformatory for audacious scribes. Lawrence Angiovelle de la Bumele, born in 1727, had previously visited that same house of correction on account of his political views expressed in Mes Pensees, published in Copenhagen in 1751. In his memoirs, he attributed to the mistress queen of Louis the Fourteenth sayings which she never uttered, and his style lacks the dignity and decency of true historical writings. Voltaire advised that La Beaumelle should be fettered together with a band of other literary opponents and sent to the galleys. Among Spanish historians, the name of John Mariana is illustrious. He was born in Talavera in 1537 and in spite of certain misfortunes which befell him on account of his works, lived to the age of eighty-seven years. He was of the order of the Jesuits, studied at Rome and Paris, and then retired to the house of the Jesuits at Toledo, where he devoted himself to his writings. His most important work was Historie de Rebus Hispaniae Libri 30, published at Toledo, 1592-95. to But the work which brought him into trouble was one entitled De Mutatione Monete, which exposed the frauds of the ministers of the King of Spain with regard to the adulteration of the public money, and censured the negligence and laziness of Philip III, declaring that Spain had incurred great loss by the depreciation in the value of the current coin of the realm. This book aroused the indignation of the king, who ordered Mariana to be cast into prison. The Spanish historian certainly deserved this fate, not on account of the book which brought this punishment upon him, but on account of another work entitled De Rege Ac Regis, Institutione Libre, 3, Ad Felipum, 3, Hispaniae Regium Catholicum, Tolete Apud Petrum, Rodericum, 1599, IN-4. In this book, Mariana propounded the hateful doctrine, generally ascribed to the Jesuits, that a king who was a tyrant and a heretic ought to be slain either by open violence or by secret plots. It is said that the reading of this book caused Ravelac to commit his crime of assassinating Henry the Fourth of France, and that in consequence of this the book was burned at Paris in 1610 by order of the Parliament. The historian of the Dutch War of 1672 endured much distress by reason of his truthfulness, 
This was John Baptist Primi, Count of St. Maggiore. His book was first published in Italian, and entitled Historia della Guerra de Olanda Nel, Anno 1672, in Parigi, 1682, and in the same year a French translation was issued. The author alludes to the discreditable Treaty of Dover, whereby Charles II, the sovereign of England, became a pensioner of France, and basely agreed to desert his Dutch allies, whom he had promised to aid with all his resources. The exposure of this base business was not pleasing to the royal ears. Lord Preston, the English ambassador, applied to the court for the censure of the author, who was immediately sent to the Bastille. His book was very vigorously suppressed, so that few copies exist of either the Italian or French versions. Among historians we include one writer of biography, John Christopher Rudiger, who, under the name of Clarmundus, wrote a book, De Vitis Clarissimorum in Re Literaria Vivorum. He discoursed pleasantly upon the fates of authors and their works, but unhappily incurred the displeasure of the powerful German family of Karpzov, which produced many learned theologians, lawyers, and philologists. The chief of this family was one Samuel Benedict Karpzov, who lived at Wittenberg, wrote several dissertations, and was accounted the Chrysostom of his age, 1565 to 1624. Rudiger, in part nine of his work, wrote the biography of this learned man, suppressing his good qualities and ascribing to him many bad ones, and did scant justice to the memory of so able a theologian. This so enraged the sons and other relations of the great man that they accused Rudiger of slander before the ecclesiastical court, and the luckless author was ordered to be beaten with rods, and to withdraw all the calumnies that he had uttered against the renowned Karpzov. On account of his books, Rudiger was imprisoned at Dresden, where he died. Hodiker, the unfortunate compiler of genealogies, was doomed to the galleys on account of the complaints of certain noble families, who felt themselves aggrieved by his writings. His work was entitled La Nobiliere de Picardy, Contenant le Generalities de Amiens, de Soissons, d'Espée, Reconquise et Parte de Election de Bevis, le tot justifique conformient axe jugimens rendus in favor de la province par François Ardicur de Blancourt Paris, 1693, IN-4 Bearing ill will to several illustrious families, he took the opportunity of vilifying and dishonoring them in his work by many false statements and patents which so enraged them that they accomplished the destruction of the calumniating compiler. The book, in spite of its untrustworthiness, is sought after by curious book-lovers, as the copies of it are extremely rare and few perfect. It is usually hazardous to endeavor to alter one's facts in order to support historical theories. This M. François de Rosser, archdeacon of Toul, discovered, who endeavored to show in his history of Lorraine that the crown of France rightly belonged to that house. His book is entitled Stematum Lotharingiare et Bari Docum, Tomi 7, Ab Antinore, 
Trojano, ad Caroli, three, Ducis Tempora, etc. Parisis, fifteen eighty, in folio. The heroes of the Trojan War had a vast number of descendants all over Western Europe, if early genealogies are to be credited. But de Rossier altered and transposed many ancient charters and royal patents in order to support his theory with regard to the sovereignty of the House of Lorraine. His false documents were proved to have been forged by the author. The anger of the French was aroused. He was compelled to sue for pardon before Henry III. His book was proscribed and burnt, but for the protection of the House of Guise, he would have shared the fate of his book, and was condemned to imprisonment in the Bastille. The learned Swedish historian Rudbeck may perhaps be included in our list of ill-fated authors, although his death was not brought about by the machination of his foes. He wrote a great work on the origin, antiquities, and history of Sweden, but soon after its completion he witnessed the destruction of his book in the great fire of Uppsala in 1702. The disappointment caused by the loss of his work was so great that he died the same year. Rudbeck is not the only author who so loved his work that he died broken-hearted when deprived of his treasure. A great scholar of the fifteenth century, one Anthony Ursius, who lived at Forley, had just finished a great work when unhappily he left a lighted lamp in his study during his absence. The fatal flame soon enveloped his books and papers, and the poor author on his return went mad, beating his head against the door of his palace, and raving blasphemous words. In vain his friends tried to comfort him, and the poor man wandered away into the woods, his mind utterly distraught by the enormity of his loss. Few authors have the bravery, the energy, and amazing perseverance of Carlyle, who, when his French Revolution had been burned by the thoughtlessness of his friend's servant, could calmly return to fight his battle over again, and reproduce the manuscript of that immortal work which hard fate had cruelly deprived him. End of chapter 5, part 2